Thank you again for listening to the Life Church podcast and this third episode in the Vision installment. Vision needs a vessel. Enjoy. of today is obviously vision that is a series and it's vision needs a vessel vision has a plan for your life say vision has a plan for me yes it does yes it does go to proverbs chapter 29 verse 18 this is our text um we are going to do it on the king james version we have all of them up here so we're going to uh going to go ahead and we're going to put that up real quick it's uh, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, and we're going to read it out to King James. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Amen. But can we put the message one up there? This one's pretty amazing. I love the message. Well, we got the NIV, the message, and the King James. Uh, but I love the middle one. That's uh, the message. It says, if people can't see what God is doing... They stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble. It's it's, it's such an amazing time that, that we're living in right now that everything we see, we believe. I want to talk to you today about this thing that vision needs a vessel. I wrote something here and it says, no vessel, no vision. Say, no vessel, no vision. Let me explain to you uh, here, it says, why God needs a vessel for the vision. A vessel can be, be a ship, a container for holding a tube that transports this is something separate. Holds a tube that transports blood through your body. See, a vessel can be known as a ship. Here's why I said a vessel can be a ship or is a ship. Because when you think of these big ships, they're huge. Uh, what they do is they do transporting on these big ships in these huge containers. Everything that's imported and exported comes over the sea and over the ocean. So these ships are made so that they can contain it. Another thing on a vessel would be your body. So your body is a vessel. That's how it holds our blood. That's what keeps us going. A person into whom some are qualified and are infused. See, us as human beings, our body is our temple. We have to exercise. The more you exercise, the more blood flows. The more that blood flows, your metabolism works, which causes you to lose weight, which causes your lungs to breathe better, your skin, your pores to be better. All this stuff, great stuff comes when you exercise and you eat properly. If a ship is not maintained, the ship will rust, it'll fall apart, and it won't be able to hold anything. Now to translate this into the spiritual realm, because we're all Christians here, we're all God-fearing people, our body is the temple of God. God uses our bodies to transport something to the people. Are you following me? You see how I kind of intertwined all of them together? He uses us to get the message out. Without a willing vessel, which is without a willing human being, a person, it's going to be impossible for God to get his message out. I often wonder this statement I'm about to make, and I, I last night as I was going over my notes and, and I was sending stuff back and forth with Brother Chris, 
who gets paid to publish the Bible? Have you ever thought about that? It is by far the greatest selling book ever written. Who, who gets paid for that? Who has gotten paid? I'm just throwing that out there, right? Think, think about it. Uh, as Brother Jesus said, they're in the pu publisher house, but who do the rights belong to? That's where the real money's at. I was wondering who gets paid, who put all this information together, and, and who puts all of it out there? So today what we're going to talk about is who wrote a book, and the book is called the Book of Ruth. I wonder, uh, sometimes people say the Bible is fictional. Who put all these stories together? Because if I would have done this, I would have wanted to get paid. Because this story we're going to do today is amazing. And I want to try my very best to take this, today's message, a vessel. And vision needs a vessel. You've seen the introduction. And the introduction simply was to say this, that if you do not write down your vision, you're going to die. I'm going to die? Here's another word. Complacency is death. Mediocracy, that's death. Vision needs a vessel. A vessel is a human being, a body. A vessel is, is something that is like a container that holds things in. You have to find out what your vision is for you. I hope so far we're, we're going on week three. This is the third week of our fast. I hope some of you in here have heard from God. I heard, I heard a heavy word from God uh, last week, and I got all excited. And I called my wife, and I said, I heard God. And she said, oh, yeah? She ain't paying attention to me. She's got her dog voice on, and the dog's talking to me. And I'm over here trying to be deep with her. Sometimes people aren't going to hear what God has to say to us, but it's okay because it's for us. And we got to write it down. Here's what I want you to do before we get into this. i got like 25 minutes to go through this sermon, but before we do, I want you to go home today. Don't do it on a piece of paper. Get something big and write your vision down. See, if you can learn to write your vision down, put it in your room by your bed. Put it in, in, in something where it's visible, and every day you read and you quote your vision. Because if you don't, you will forget what God told you. Yes. Right now, some of you are super into the tapped into to hearing God and you're fasting, and you might be reading your Bible, or some of you may even be praying. God willing. And I don't mean for your food. Or when something bad happens, you say, oh, my God. You know, I'm talking just praying to pray. You can do that, just to let y'all know. It is okay to pray. It's not a sin to pray. Um, some people think Christians have two sins we do. One of them is giving, and the other one is praying. That's, that's a lie. You can give, and you can pray. It's free. Amen. Go ahead and write this stuff down and put it somewhere. Put it down somewhere. Something else. Y'all need to put me so super-duper serious this morning. Like I can literally hear myself. Let's get into this. Point number one. Remember, vessel, uh, vision needs a vessel. Vessel's the word. Number one, if you're taking notes. Your yesterday's shortcomings will determine your today's victories. Did you hear that? Your yesterday's shortcomings. Pastor, that doesn't sound right. You're telling me I'm going to fall short? Yes, you will. Your yesterday's shortcomings will determine your today's victories. Now, that doesn't mean your defeats, because the Bible says the devil cannot defeat you. 
if the devil is primarily what causes us to fail, to quit, and the Bible says he can't defeat you, he can't make you quit, all he can do, see, when the devil can't defeat you, he's going to come in and he's going to try to sidetrack you. That's what he will do. He'll get you off course. But you will have some shortcomings in life. Here's what a shortcoming is. A shortcoming is falling. A shortcoming is stumbling. A shortcoming is getting off track. It doesn't say failure. Don't, don't get jaded with that. Them shortcomings are going to determine your today's victory. That means whatever you have gone through, once you get through it, and you're going to get through it, trust me, we have all gone through some things in life, and as you're about to see uh, right now in Ruth, we're going to start with chapter 1 and verse 11. As you get ready to start seeing what we're about to do, listen to me. Sometimes our shortcomings last really long. Let's get into it. Ruth chapter 1, verse 11. Now Naomi said, turn again, my daughter. My daughter is plural, me more than one. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Okay, let me give you the backstory here. Naomi is the mother-in-law to Ruth, which is who we're talking about. She had a husband and she had two sons. They moved from where they, where they used to live, Naomi with her husband and her children, because there was a famine in the land. That means there was no more food. If there's no more food, the animals are gonna die. When the animals die, there's no meat, there's no grain, no wheat. So they had to move so that they could be farmers and get food again. So when they moved, they took their sons with them, and they moved to a place called Moab. Say Moab. I just wanted you to say it, it sounds cool. Moab is where they moved. In Moab, one of the sons found a wife, and her name was Ruth. Of course, the other son got married and, and so forth, and they, they had daughter-in-law, she had a couple daughter-in-laws, and everything was going good. Well, all of a sudden, when they moved, the famine just so happened to follow Naomi and her husband and her children. Okay, so the famine followed after Naomi. So she said, she thought that. Have you ever gone through something and then thought you was fixing to come out of it and wherever you went, it went with you? Has that ever happened before? Have you ever gone through something and right when you're going through something, something else happens and you're like, man, God, why does everything have to happen to me? And then to make things worse, all of a sudden, somebody dies. That's what happened right here. Naomi's husband died. After her husband died, her sons died. That's where we come to this word. So Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, she looked at him and told him, you need to go. I don't have anything for you. I have nothing to offer you anymore. I ain't got no more sons. I'm too old. I'm leaving. It's time for you to go. You need to find some husbands. You need a wife. Her yesterday, here's what famine literally means. Famine literally, now I'm paraphrasing it, Famine literally means lack of. What that means is that this famine, it took everything away. Sometimes, 
We see something. When I, when I mean we see something, we see something here in the house. And man, we think, you know what? That's for me. That's for me and my house. You know what? Pastor Bud is right. I'm not what I think I am. I'm more than that. What I see in the mirror, what I feel like when I wake up, that's not who I am. I'm doing this fast, Pastor Man. I'm feeling a little bit lighter on my feet. I feel an amen inside of me every now and then. I feel like I can make it. And then all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose. And all hell broke loose in Naomi's life. Now, the story of Ruth, I mean, the book is named after her. It's about this woman and her amazing journey. But what about her mother-in-law? What about her? So as I'm studying, I'm preparing for this. Naomi was a wife, a mother, a caretaker. All she wanted to do was take care of him. She was just so content with where she was. Sometimes we got to get our change rattled, like the baby's saying. Yes, we got to rattle the cage a little bit. Sometimes God has to shake things up just a little bit inside of us to remind us of who we are and where we're at. I don't believe that God wants us to suffer because my God's not a suffering God. If God was a suffering God and all these different names for God, it would have been suffering God. But there's not one for him. As a matter of fact, God sent his son Jesus to suffer and take the sins and bear the cross for us. So God isn't a suffering God. God isn't a I told you so God. God is not a God that said you better stop doing this or I'm going to make you go through all this hardship and all this heartache. See, you know what's harder than never having anything is having something and then losing it. But you know what's harder than having something and losing it is believing that it was God that gave it to you. And now you don't have it no more. And you still got to come and you still got to raise your hands and you still got to pretend like everything is great. And you're actually going through something worse than what you went through before you asked God to come into your heart? Have you ever been there? Has that ever happened to us before? One brother that, that was real close to me said, you know what? You know what, man? I'm going to tell you something. I, I got to tell you something. And it's, this is as real as I can be with you. And I said, okay, cool. He said, maybe you could help me, bro. I said, okay. How come the moment I started giving and me and my wife were in agreement about giving. I lost my job, but we ain't got no money. How come? And then so I'm giving more, and the more I'm giving, the more my bills are saying they're going to be cut off. And the more I can't take my family where I wanted to take them to, to eat, to the movies, like everyone else. Why is that? So at this point right now, Naomi cannot see the vision. Naomi can't feel. You know what? Naomi feels defeated. Point number two. Today, we walk through, not around. We stand, not be crumbled, and not fall. Point number two. If you're taking notes, we're going to write point number two. Today. We walk through, not around. We stand, not crumble, and fall. Go to uh, Ruth chapter 1, 16 through 17. See, Naomi came to this point where she had to make a decision. She was running from her problem. She told her daughter-in-law to run. But then we come to this point, Ruth 1, 16. And Ruth said, Ruth is telling them that she's about to leave, and it's time to leave. Don't follow after me. 
I mean, I'm sorry, Naomi just got through telling in 15, just got through telling them their daughter-in-law is what she did, 14, 15. And then Ruth says this, listen, don't tell me where I'm supposed to go. Don't tell me that I can't do something. And he says, this is the famous part. Where you go, I'm gonna go. Where you lodge, I'll lodge. Your people are my people. Your God is my God. Okay, what are we talking about? Look over here. Today we walk through it, not around it. We stand and not crumble and fall to it. What is it that we're talking about? When you get a vision, when God gives you something, all hell, I promise you, is going to break loose on you. Because the moment the devil knows you're doing the devil don't care if you're not doing anything. He don't want you to do anything. He don't care if you go to church. He don't even care if you give a little bit of money as long as you don't know what you're giving for and as long as you're not going to church and getting something out of it. That's a ship. When a ship comes, they back the ship up, they open it up, and they put things inside of it. When you're sick and you're in the hospital, the first thing they want to do is give you a blood transfusion. When you're in need of fresh blood, new life. I went to the hospital and, and they pulled blood out and they spilled containers like this big. First they did three. And then about an hour or two later they came and they took three more. And, I, and the lady came back and she says, uh, we're gonna take some blood, you ready? I said, yeah, you can stop taking blood at this point because I ain't got no more. You done took all the blood out of me. How much more blood do you need to tell me what I just told you was wrong with me? When you're sick, they gotta take it to find out what's in the blood. And then to get you better, they got to put new blood back into you if you're in need of it. When you come to church, you're like a ship. You're like a body that has to be opened up and things have to get poured into you. And when things get poured into you, it's not just that's it and that's the end of it. That ship doesn't stay where it's at. When they inject blood into you, the blood doesn't just stay there. It begins to flow. It has to move. The ship has to go somewhere. And when the ship goes somewhere, we're going to get there in a minute. But where we are right now is the point where the ship leaves the bay or the harbor and it takes off. In Ruth 1, uh, 16, go to 17. Listen to what 17 says. And Ruth said this in 17. Where you die, I will die. And where they will bury you, the Lord, the Lord do see to me. And more also. If part, but death part thee between you and me. So in other words, where you're going to die, I'm going to die. Where they bury you, God's going to see where they bury you, and I'm going to be buried there too. And if this is all we have is death between us, so be it. I'm going where you go. Don't ever bring it up. Don't, and, and Naomi couldn't see past the fact that somebody was standing in the midst of Naomi's problems with her. See, you think you're going through these things alone. But we're never alone. The word of God says he'll never leave you nor will he forsake you. That's right. Get, look past what you see in the natural. In the natural, that, that's all the devil can do is sidetrack you. And he knows he can sidetrack you by showing you things that are not as though they are. Because that's how we're supposed to do it, right? right? Are you getting what I'm trying to tell you this morning? Naomi 
did not see a way out of her situation other than to run. And when she ran, she wanted to run all alone. For her, in Spanish they say, pobrecita, ella. For, for her. Man, she, she done lost her husband, she lost her house. Then she moves, and where she's moved to, the famine followed her. Man, where's she gonna go next? So she takes off. And while she's taking off, her daughter-in-law, two of them left, and one stayed with her, which was Ruth. The others left. So Ruth is with her, and Ruth is telling her, look, if you're gonna die on this journey, I'm dying with you. You're not gonna be alone. Verse number 19 says this. So the two women went on into, they came to Bethlehem, where they arrived in Bethlehem. The women, the, the whole town was stirred because of them. The woman said this about her. Can this be Naomi? 21, watch what 21 says. This is, Ni this is Naomi speaking now. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Poor, poor her. God's trying to teach her a lesson. Didn't I just tell you guys, listen to me, that's not the kind of God I serve. Amen. If you want to serve a God that wants to take things from you, that's up to you. But that's not the God that it talks about that's Jehovah Jireh. He's not the God that takes it from you. That's not what the verse is. And then listen to this. Why? She says, why are you going to call me Naomi? The Lord had afflicted me. Does anybody know what the word afflicted means? He tore her up from the floor up. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. L listen, I'm going to be the first to be honest and tell you that sometimes it seems like God is trying to teach me a lesson. Trying to teach us something by making us go through things. And when we go through them, we fail. But that is not the kind of God we serve. We have to talk to these situations and these things. We don't need to talk about it. See, she walked into town with her daughter-in-law, feeling a little bit encouraged. And then all of a sudden, the people in her village where she came from said, oh, shoot, here she comes. And because when she came, death came with her. So she changed her name. They don't have it up here. But in the verses, she changed her name. She said, don't call me Naomi no more. God's not with me anymore. God was with Naomi because when I was Naomi, I had a husband and I had a place to live. And I had children. Everything was going great. And I had daughter-in-law. And grandbabies was on the way. See, when you become a parent, you want grandbabies. Nothing like grandbabies. This little baby sitting in the front. Uh... That's making all this noise, causing all this distraction. No, I'm joking. His grandparents see, see him. Let me tell you something. That's the greatest thing when you have your own children. And, and, and I was looking back at pictures of when Dale was a baby. Uh, if you go to our uh, YouTube channel, there's a picture on there for Pastor, Senior Pastor, Sister Gloria. And it shows my sons when they were little and my nephews. And my mom and dad are holding them. I mean, I got all emotional and everything. There's nothing like having your own children, yeah. but when you have your grandchildren, yeah. oh, my God, man. 
That is an amazing, I can only imagine the amazing feeling it is. You know, there's something that, man, my children, I did something right. You know, they got a baby right here, and you can just love on them. They say the greatest thing about grandchildren is when you're done getting all mushy with them, you can call and they can come pick them up. We'll see. Because I've tried to call, but I have no one to call for my children, you know? My middle one moved at the house, and we're laying on the sofa. I'm, at, I'm on the sofa, sister, Monday, Tuesday evening, I'm just chilling on my sofa watching TV with my wife, it's all peaceful, and we don't have a key that you put in, we have a little, you know, the code we put it in, it unlocks the door, all I hear, you hear is, dee, 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 and then, who's that? And here comes John Ray walking, I'm like, dude, what are you doing walking in my house? He's like, where's my house too? I'm like, you got your own house, you got your own wife, go home. So now, so now when he comes, he knocks at the door, rings the doorbell, I'm like, God, dang, I didn't really mean it like that, I was just kidding, dang. So, so Naomi says, don't call, she says, don't call me Naomi. She told them, call me Mar, because the Almighty has made my life bitter. And those of us that are married, well, we all have mothers in here. Man, ain't nothing like a bitter woman, right? God help us. <laughs> Ain't nothing like a mean woman, man, or a mad mama. I'm like, hey, baby, I, I ain't the kid. Why are you getting mad at me? Oh, I didn't do it. I guess I did. Okay, let's go to our next point. Number three. He opened up, open up, and let God pour into you. Let him show you why he's going to pour into you. So at this point in the story, Let's backtrack because we're almost done here. Let's backtrack. Number one, her shortcomings, the things that caused her to not be victorious, the things that almost felt like defeat that sidetracked her. She had to learn how to walk through them, not around them. She had to learn how to stand up to her situations, not recumbered or fall to them. Now we're talking about how we have to open up and let God pour into us and let him show let him show us why he wants to pour into us. Have you ever asked why he got? What do I really have to offer? To What can I really do to help anybody? Like, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm not stable. The only thing I'm consistent with is not being consistent. One day Ruth said to Naomi, let me go into the fields and gather corn. We're in chapter 2, uh, Ruth chapter 2, verse 2. I am sure to find someone who will let me work. And, okay, so they went through the city. Everybody talked about Naomi. Then they find some place to stay. And then they have the concern, what are they going to eat? How are they going to eat? How are they going to get fed? How are things going to try to become someone normal? So what does Ruth do? She says, you know what, I'm gonna go get a job. Let me go out there and find some food for us. Let me figure this out, just give me a minute. So then all of a sudden, let's talk about Ruth for a moment. All we know about Ruth is that Ruth was a daughter-in-law <coughs> to a woman that lost everything. Have you ever heard that saying, man, you got a black cloud over you? Have you ever heard that? That was Naomi. So if Naomi had a black cloud over her and Ruth was with 
Puerto dead. That means the black cloud was over Ruth. So now they go into the village, and we're in verse 2. And she says, let me go to the fields and gather up some corn or something. Let me go to work. Just give me a minute. In other words, they was hungry. Verse number 5 says this. Boaz asked the man in charge, who is this young woman? So she was noticed. She was spotted up. Do you think he noticed her and said, ooh, look at that, look at that young thing right there. She had no money. They had nothing to eat. They had just barely found some place to live. There's no way she had a white dress on. Her hair was all fixed up. And, you know, Sister Bella has this thing, and she puts it in her hair, and it goes, and it curls her hair and gives her these pretty little light. This looking world, you know, and she's got this fan blowing on her in the morning when she's getting dressed. And I'm looking at her thinking, she puts on that special perfume. I don't know what it is, but it just smells so good. So it's like flowers, you know, and the light's hitting her and she's sparkling, right? Do you think that's what Boaz seen? Do you think Boaz seen her, seen Ruth in the fields, and she picked her head up and her hair went all beautiful, and she had her makeup on just right, and she had her pearls on, and she had her brand new shoes that she just bought with the perfect heel that made her look perfect? Or do you think, here's the truth, do you think she was sweaty, she was dirty, she was hungry, so what Boaz seen that attracted him and caught his eye wasn't what he seen on the outside, but it's what he seen that was on the inside of her. Let me explain it. So verse 5, he asked who she is. I made a side note right here, and it says this. It says, God will work through you, not just in you, if you let him. Don't hold back. Again, God will work through you, not just in you. If you let him, God will work through you. Say through me. Through me. See, it's one thing for God to work in you. That means you get saved. That means your life is changed. Your life is changed. You're saved. But if you allow God to work through you, that means it's going to come in you and it's going to go right out of you. Don't hold back. Some of you have, man, God has told you some things. God has shown you some things, but you're holding onto it. That's like some of you have got a pro been prophesied over before. Some of you have been told a word by God, and you're still holding on to that word. That word was for then. Stop living in the past. You need a fresh word from God. You need to write some stuff down for today, because today you need something. You don't need what you got five, ten years ago, do you? You're not the same person anymore. So Ruth, in verse 11, go to verse 11. Let's go quick. i got to be super fast here. Verse number 11 says this. Chapter 2, verse 11. Boaz answered, I have heard about everything that you have done, you and your mother-in-law, since your husband died. I know how you left your father and your mother and your own country and how you came to live among the people, among these people, and you had never known of before. So, so she says, you know what, I'm sorry. He goes, if I ask who she is, he goes up to her. She's in the field. You know what she used to do? She used to, after hours, she would work all day. After hours, she would take whatever little bit was left of corn and grain, 
and she'd scoop it up, and that's what she'd go home, and, and her and Naomi would eat. So all this time, Naomi's at the house. Poor, poor Naomi. They seem like they're getting a little bit better. And then all of a sudden, here comes Boaz. And Boaz comes to Ruth, and he says, Ruth, what are you doing? Oh, shoot, you know my name. Listen to what verse 10 says. Here's her. Ruth bowed down and threw her, threw her face down to the ground and said to Boaz, Why should you be so concerned about me? Why should you be so kind to me, a foreigner? You don't even know me. I, I, man, please. Because back then, you could get your hands cut off, get your tongue cut out, for stealing, for lying. She had no business taking that food home. And he said, wait a minute, I know who you are. I heard about you and how you left all your people and followed your mother-in-law. After your husband had already died, you stayed with her. Instead of doing like everybody else and leaving her all by herself and going and trying to find you another husband. Instead, you're out here and you're working like a dog. We know, we've heard about you. See, sometimes we, we know what God wants us to do and we're willing to do it. And we even start doing it, and we think nobody can see us. When you're out there in the trenches, all sweaty, getting worked up, and, and getting all tired and confused and stressed out and feeling like nobody notices, nobody cares, and look at all that you're doing and all that you're spending, and God, please, I'm just trying to know all I want is some recognition. When all along, people can see you. And he says, we've seen you. we talked about you. We know who you are. Surely God is with you. Watch what 14 and 15 say. 14 says this. At mealtime, Boaz and Ruth, Boaz said to Ruth, come and have a piece of bread. Come sit with me, in other words. Let the workers stay where the workers are. You come over here with me. Verse 17 says this. So Ruth went and gathered corn in the field until the evening, and when she had beaten it out, she found she had... <coughs> nearly 10 kilos of it. She took it back to her town and showed it to her mother-in-law. And Okay, so let me stop right there. This is verse 17. Check this out. She went home. She told she had all this food. He gave her all this food to eat, right? He said, you know, don't take the scraps no more. Take the good stuff. Take it home. So she went carrying all this food. And then, and then Naomi's like, oh my God, what did you do? And she's like, you're not going to believe what happened. You're not going to believe. See, right in the midst when we think there's no hope, we done gave up, we quit praying, we quit, we quit speaking life and start speaking death. All of a sudden, God showed up and showed up. She went home with all this food, and, and Naomi said, oh my God, things are about to change. This is it. We're living the dream. Oh, but it gets so much better than that. These women, all of them, watch. You got you to gotta see this. I got I to gotta read it. I got to read it. Watch. I'm going to put it all together now. 14, the woman said to Naomi, praise the Lord. He has given you a grandson today to take care of you. May the boy become famous in Israel. Your daughter-in-law loves you and has done more for you than seven sons. And now she's giving you a grandson who will bring new life. Say new life. New life. 
to you and give you security in your old age. Okay, watch this. The same ladies that when she walked into town, all broke, busted, and disgusted, tore up from the floor up with nothing. Those same women that said, here comes Naomi. Oh, man, and where Naomi comes, there's a black cloud over her. Nothing but bad things and death follow her. Now, those same women are saying, oh, praise God to Naomi. Because Naomi is so awesome. Why is Naomi awesome? Because God used a little woman called Ruth, who met a guy called Boaz that was filthy rich. You're not, you're not seeing what I'm saying, are you? See, the real story isn't Ruth. The real story is Naomi. Yeah. She thought she had nothing but heartache. She thought God had forsaken her, changed my name. That's not even who I am. I have absolutely nothing, but check this out. There would have been no Ruth had there been no Naomi. Oh, where you go, I go. Your people are my people. Where you die, I die. Your God is my God. No, 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 no. It's so much more than that. Those same women are saying, check, God, check this out. This is what's awesome. Watch, 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 watch. She said that she's going to have a grandson that's going to bring new life into that family. But watch what, watch what verse 17 says. Watch this. Put that last there. Yeah, yeah. Verse 17. The woman of the neighborhood, that's the women, named the boy Obed. They told everyone a son has been born, not to Ruth, but a son has been born to Naomi. You guys still ain't understanding this. I don't understand. Obed became the father of Jesse. Who's Jesse? Jesse was the father of David. Yes. Hallelujah. The beginning. Are you seeing what I'm trying to say? You think your life is all jacked up right now. You think this fast means absolutely nothing right now. But is there a Naomi in the house that can say, my sons, 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 my God. She was a grandma. She was big mom to David. Yes, hallelujah. There would have been no David, a man after God's own heart. Listen to me. There is one man in the Bible that we can relate to today, and his name is David. There is one woman in the Bible right now that defines who we are when we're going through hardship, and her name is Naomi. I wish I had somebody in the house today. Yes, yes. Let me tell you something. Yes, Let me tell you, you have to be a willing vessel because you have no idea who your offspring is going to be. You have no idea where God's going to take All you got to do is hold on. All you got to do is when the storm comes, all you got to do is hold and you think you're wasting your time. And you think there's no hope for your babies. And you think all it is is a dead-end job. And all you're saying is, oh, my body's falling apart. My mind is falling apart. People are the doctors. And everybody's just giving up on me. But God wants you to know one yes. thing this morning. Yes. Hallelujah. Don't give up. Give in. Give in to God this morning. Vision has a plan for your life. Thank you again for listening to our pastor, Benjamin Solis, Jr. We ask you to come and visit us at the Life Church on 2517 Sargent Street in Fort Worth, Texas, or continue to listen to the podcast. 
Our next week's episode will be Vision Must Be Visible. Mm-hmm.